Hello, and welcome to the Turbulent World of Middle East Soccer, or Mid-East Soccer Podcast. I'm your host, James Dorsey. Several Southeast Asian governments and social movements are seeking to counter mounting polarization and intercommunal strife across the globe, fueled by the rise of civilizationalist leaders who think in exclusionary rather than inclusionary terms. In the most highbrow of various initiatives, King Abdullah of Jordan is scheduled to deliver a keynote address at the inaugural International Conference on Cohesive Societies, organized by the S. Rajaratnam School of International Studies with support from the Singapore government. Singapore President Halima Bint Yaakob has mooted the conference as a high-level forum involving religious leaders, akin to the annual Shangri-La Dialogue that for the past 17 years brings together annually senior Asian, European, and U.S. government officials in what is Asia's foremost security forum. In what amounts to a timely strategic effort to tackle what may be one of the most fundamental threats to peace and security, the conference reflects a growing concern that global polarization and civilizationalism could fuel intercommunal tensions and militancy in Southeast Asian societies. It crowns a separate Indonesian initiative that targets religious reform and Malaysian willingness to speak out on controversial or sensitive issues. Southeast Asian concerns include fear that Rohingya lingering in refugee camps in Bangladesh with no prospects could radicalize, that extremists may capitalize on the fact that reconstruction of the devastated southern Philippine city of Marawi has stalled two years after it was overrun by jihadists, and that suspected sleeper cells of groups like the Islamic State will seek to disrupt the region's social fabric. The social fabric of many communities is stressed by extremism, exclusivism, and polarization. It is important for us to grow trust among communities. This will always be a work in progress. So it is an effort we must constantly invest in, Mrs. Jacobs said on, what, on the eve of the Singapore conference. King Abdullah, in a separate statement, warned that attacking and excluding others, insulting other peoples and their faiths and convictions, this is no way forward. The future lies in unity and respect, not division and stereotypes. Mrs. Jacob and King Abdullah's warnings were designed to be an antidote to rising prejudice and racism, fueled by the rise of supremacism of various stripes and Islamophobia, as well as increased anti-Semitism that often is encouraged by world leaders for ideological or opportunistic reasons. For Mrs. Jacob and King Abdullah, the concern is not a far from my bed show. Human rights activists were taken aback when Myanmar leader, Nobel Peace Prize winner, and one-time human rights advocate Aung San Suu Kyi agreed earlier this month during a visit to Hungary with far-right, staunchly anti-immigrant Prime Minister Viktor Orban that both Southeast Asia and Europe 
were struggling with the emergence of the issue of coexistence with continuously growing Muslim populations. Southeast Asia and its association of Southeast Asian nations, ASEAN, are home to the world's most populous and foremost Muslim democracy, Indonesia, as well as Malaysia, that has been among the most outspoken in criticizing Myanmar's repression of the Rohingya and one of the few Islamic countries to speak out about China's repression of Turkic Muslims in the troubled northwestern province of Xinjiang. To King Abdullah, Mrs. Yaakob's backyard must look like something approaching paradise. Conflict characterizes all of his kingdom's borders. Moreover, the Middle East, beyond Jordan's immediate borders, is racked by civil wars, national conflicts, and regional rivalries that all involve aspects of prejudice, right-wing nationalism, militancy, and sectarianism. Add to that, the world is holding its breath as the United States, Saudi Arabia, and Iran square off in the Gulf in a dangerous dance that threatens to spiral out of control. Less highbrow, but no less ambitious, Nahadatul Ulama, the world's largest Sunni Muslim movement, has launched a campaign with Indonesian government backing to reinterpret and recontextualize Islam. The campaign amounts to more than simply confronting ultra-conservatism and militancy. It is a pushback against the notion that secularism and pluralism are expressions of a Western conspiracy to undermine Islam. If successful, Nahadatul Ulama's strategy could have far-reaching consequences. For many Middle Eastern autocrats, adopting a more tolerant, pluralistic interpretation of Islam would mean allowing far greater social and political freedoms and embracing concepts of pluralism. That would likely lead to a weakening of autocrats' grip on power. Similarly, political scientist and Islam scholar Ahmed Kuru throws down a gauntlet in a forthcoming book by arguing that the notion of Islam rejecting a separation of religion and state is based on a fabricated hadith or saying of the Prophet Muhammad that has since been perpetuated. Singapore's conference, like Nahadlatul Ulama's initiative, constitute accepting a gargantuan but critical challenge posed by civilizationist leaders who reflect deeply rooted currents in societies, irrespective of their political systems and or notions and myths that have been nurtured over centuries. Inclusiveness is the magic wand touted by all seeking to halt a slide towards societies characterized by fragmentation, political polarization, and intercommunal discord. Yet, the enormity of the challenge lies in addressing deep-seated grievances and challenging taboos. Discussing the rise of populism in the West, politics scholar Matthew Goodwin identifies what he terms the four Ds that drive dem democracy's turmoil. Distrust of political institutions, that have become less representative, the destructive impact of fear of loss of national identity, culture, and way of life, 
ethno-national deprivation fueled by liberal elites' focus on migrant and minority rights and the de-alignment of significant segments of the electorate with the traditional parties they long supported. Mr. Goodwin's four Ds are likely to challenge cohesiveness, even if, as Financial Times columnist Simon Cooper notes, their foremost political beneficiaries are being sucked into the swamp they vowed to drain. U.S. President Donald Trump, Brexit Party leader Nigel Farage, Israel Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, former Austrian Vice Chancellor Heinz Christian Strache, and billionaire Czech Prime Minister Andrei Babis are all fighting off allegations of wrongdoing. The allegations and their legal entanglements mean that they risk losing the high ground on issues of corruption, alongside immigration and security, a key pillar of their recent success. Putting forward an optimistic argument, Mr. Cooper notes that concerns about migration and security no longer top Europeans' agenda, with younger voters mobilizing around climate change. Polls, however, suggest that the popularity of leaders accused of illegitimately benefiting from wrongdoing or questionable practices and their political parties have lost little of their allure, despite climate change increasingly becoming a major concern. Populist current Teflon effect means that building cohesive societies will have to involve finding a middle ground between majoritarian concerns and concepts of diversity, multiculturalism, and minority rights. It amounts to maneuvering minefields and treading on uncharted territory, irrespective of culture and political system. In the absence of the perfect blueprint, countries like Singapore, New Zealand, and Norway have in their own ways taken a lead in attempting to make inclusion a pillar of policy. While intercommunal harmony has long been a driver of Singapore's social and economic policies, New Zealand and Norway responded to traumatic acts of political violence by bucking the trend towards polarization, profiling, and concepts of us and them, by saying, not me, instead of me too. The proof is in the pudding. New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern, who became an icon of compassion and inclusivity with her response to the killing of 50 people in March in two Christchurch mosques, recalled a Muslim woman reacting to the government's response by telling her that despite having been a target, she had never felt more at home in New Zealand than she had in the last 10 days since the attacks. Singapore's creation of a global forum in which opposing views and grievances are aired constitutes a vital contribution towards creating the environment for the building of more cohesive societies. It is a vital cog in a mesh of attempts to achieve legal reform and call out abuse and violations of human rights. Taken together, they hold out the promise of a concerted effort to counter debilitating prejudice and bias, even if a truly cohesive, harmonious society may prove to be a utopia. 
Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. A written version of this podcast is on my blog, The Turbulent World of Middle East Soccer, at middleeastsoccer.blogspot.com. Please join me for my next podcast in the coming days. All the best, and take care.